Good afternoon, Internet world. Welcome. Thank you again for joining us for this Thursday's edition of Daring Live. We're really, really happy to have you here today. Uh, joining us today, we'll cut straight to it, is the one and only Mr. Mark Johnson. Um, Mark Johnson is commonly known as the founder of Clawgrass, which obviously incorporates bluegrass and clawhammer banjo styles. And along with Emery Lester, Mark was nominated by the uh, IBMA, International Bluegrass Music Association, for the 2007 Instrumental Album of the Year Award. And then in 2012, Mark was presented with the Steve Martin Prize for Excellence in Banjo and Bluegrass. And he is a spokesman for the Deering Banjo Company, which has named two Clawgrass models after him. Most importantly, Mark is a friend of ours and an all-around awesome guy, and we're really, really happy and honored to have him on Daring Live today. Welcome, Mr. Mark Johnson. How are you? Man, it's great to be here. I've been looking forward to, uh, to working with you guys and to doing this, this cast here for everybody. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honor to have you here, man. So uh, I think the last time we saw you was back in January. It, uh, it was at the NAMM show in Anaheim, California, and... Uh, you were due to come out here with uh, with Emery, but it, it didn't quite work out. But uh, it was right around the time, you know, the, the COVID was just starting to make the news a little bit. Um, and you've been pretty busy ever since then when you're not playing banjo. And for those of for those in the in the in the in the world that don't know, uh, tell us just really briefly, what is it that you do outside of of your musicianship? Well, um, I, I actually have a full time career job working in the. Uh, uh, in, in the health, uh, in the Florida Department of Health, up in uh, Tallahassee, work at county level, and we've been really busy for the last five and a half months, um, working long hours uh, in this national pandemic here, um, with the populations, uh, just trying to stem the tide with it. And when you guys called me up and, and invited me to come out and do this, this great Deering Live. Zoom thing here was great. It's, it's a way of getting away from it. But for the folks I got to mention, a lot of folks started calling me back in February and March to do lessons. And this is a, I want to apologize to a lot of people because we were working so hard in the national pandemic, the emergency, that uh, I just couldn't do any training and teaching. But things are opening up a little bit more simply because I want to. Um, I don't have, I, it, at some point, I just got to be Mark Johnson again and play banjo. So we, we've got a lot to thank you for, my friend, and we appreciate all of your hard work on the on the front lines there. Um, it's got to be crazy time, crazy time, but I'm glad that you could join us and, and have some banjo time with us today. And um, we're also joined, there's some noise in the background here, we're also joined a little bit by David Bandrowski, who's going to take over the proceedings. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Mark, how you doing? Great oh, to see man, you. It's good to see you again, buddy. Yeah. Well, yeah, just... Let's dive right in. Why don't we kind of, in your words, describe what clawgrass is? I've been asked that question for two decades. Now, <laughs> and I finally get the opportunity again to talk about it. What clawgrass is, is the title of the first album I ever recorded with the Rice Brothers, with Tony Rice, Larry, Ronnie, and Wyatt Rice, and some other great friends of mine, Tuck Tucker, uh, Tammy Murray, Jason Thomas, the great fiddler. Wow. And um, up to that point, I was I was working a night shift at a power utility out in Florida. And at lunch hour, I would bring my banjo in and uh, play and uh, with a buddy of mine with a guitar. 
uh-huh. and people would gather around with some of the people that gathered around with uh, with the uh, Rice family, Herb Rice and Ronnie Rice and Larry Rice. Wow. So coming home, they, I know. <laughs> they brought me home, and then Tony moved back here in 1985 to Crystal River, Florida. And uh, they, they, it, what happened, we recorded the album, and then it started getting out there. And all these magazine articles and radio interviews and all this stuff started happening. They didn't just, I didn't know the sound was that right. different. I thought I was playing old time. And, and what happened was uh, it, it was such a different sound, according to these people. They decided they didn't know what to call it, so they just named it after that album. That's, <laughs> That's terrific. It's a great story. Um, with, and so, but you, you do have a kind of a signature. your sound is pretty, um, you know, you can really pick out your sound clearly when, when I hear, hear your playing, it's, I can tell that's Mark Johnson very quickly. And that's for every musician, that's kind of, you know, something you really strive for. So, you know, congratulations there, but, uh, that's a very humbling thing. And a lot of people have, over the years, people have just wrote me and says, you know, when I hear you on Sirius XM, thank you, Sirius XM, um, or any of the radio station, they go, the first couple of notes, we know that's Mark Johnson and Emery Lester making their music together. Exactly. And it, uh, it's really an honor and it's really humbling. Um, you get a real clear sound, you know, for playing Clawhammer, and you're, it's a really but it's, it's super rich, but still very clear. And uh, is there anything that you, that you do or just your nails that you do? I, you use fake nails, don't you use artificial nails? Yeah, I get a couple of acrylic nails put on my, my fingers here. And I've been doing that for years. Um, when I first started learning how to play the banjo, I actually took lessons from the great fiddler, Jay Unger. And, uh-huh. Yeah. John Cohen came in and demonstrated from the New Lost City Rambles. This is up in Garrison, New York. You're from New York originally, right? Yeah, up on the mm-hmm. river area. They're actually from Yorktown Heights, but uh, I spent a lot of time bombing around over on the river over there. Okay. Where I started to learn how to basically frail a banjo. The first couple of lightning bolts that hit. The second set of lightning bolts that hit in the same spot were moving to Florida and meeting the Rice family and Tony Rice. Right. right. And Tony loved um, Clawhammer. Mm-hmm. Like the old timey sounds that uh, right. you know, just playing guitar and duet and duet form, and um, it, but I couldn't just get in there and play the old note brush some old time stuff. In order to work with him, you know, in a duet frame of mind, you have to be able to listen and understand what he was doing. So I had to kind of figure out my bluegrass side of my head because I played both stroke style. Um, I had to start figuring out how to apply backup and playing counter melody and harmonies to what he was doing on the guitar. That's why mm-hmm. I first learned how to do it. Him and Wyatt Rice too is another Wyatt I spent a lot of time together. Right. And um and I would listen to these guys play the guitar and they would get all that beautiful air in between the notes. And I, I said, well that I'm not doing that with the note brush thumb thing. So I would uh, I would actually sit down and work with it till I could get to a point where I could get that really neat note separation. Uh-huh. To satisfy me, and, and as I was doing this, I used to think I was playing real old time music. And, um, and I, I went up to uh, Bob, David Holt brought me up to uh, Mount Airy one year. I was a uh-huh. guest of his, and he was doing some filming with the, 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 the North Carolina State. They were doing a, a film on the old time music up there. He said, "Why not go and play some music, Mark? I'll meet you back here." And uh, I went out, and uh, 
I started playing with something that was going on way down in the corner there. And when I started playing, people started folding their <laughs> folding their uh, cases up and walking away. <laughs> what happened? So I went back and I sat down over there where David saw me. He comes back and what are you doing? You're still here. And I go, I told him what happened. He goes, oh, oh you went down. That's the preservation area down there, Mark. You don't play old time. You've got your own sound. <laughs> and I go, really? That's I great. Bob Carlin, and I was telling Bob Carlin the same thing. And he, mm. he jumps in my lap. He's kidding. That's the first time I met that guy. He's breaking me up. And he didn't believe me at first. Then I played for him. He goes, it is different. <laughs> and that's, that's how it all gets. It's all accidental. Yeah, yeah. That's great. You, uh, you, you. <laughs> you made the, the traditionalists <laughs> run away. <laughs> you know, I didn't mean to do it. Uh, it was accidental, and I'm still apologizing for it. You know? <laughs> I love it. I mean, what they yeah. do is, is just blows me away. But yeah, yeah. I learned, I really learned from nine years of Tony and Wyatt Rice's guitar playing. They're the only guitar players in the area. <laughs> I think I started out on, you know, so could have done worse, I guess, you know. I think it really comes across in your playing because, I mean, Tony Rice is, you know, the what you said, the air between the notes. Also, the, you know, he does like some harmonic substitutions, you know, and I think that influence, you can really hear it in 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 your playing. You, you know, you almost you have like almost the Tony Rice, you know, harmonic, uh, you know, conception on the banjo in a certain way. What I captured out of that, David, was um, he has this way of letting his music breathe. Right. When he breathes like that, he's speaking that language. He has his own language that he speaks right. on the guitar. And when you can get to a point when you're playing your instrument where you can really speak your own language and not just playing songs, you really get your own right. sound. And uh, being with him, they taught me how to do that. I don't, I don't read music. I have terrible vision issues. I'm blind in one central, I have no central vision in one eye. Um, but I, I have a good ear, evidently, right. and uh, I would listen. And these guys would write songs, but they never write songs out. They would just create music. Mm -hmm. And I, that's why I learned to start creating my own music like that. And they would love it. They'd go, hey, let's try that. You know, right. Song. Well, why don't you play um, something for us? Why don't you play Cold Frosty Morning for us and kind of sure. let everybody hear some? Emery Lester and I recorded this together. Um, he's the other guy that, that really, really found Mark Johnson musically and really drew it out of me here. The guy's a genius. Mm -hmm. um, we did this recording. I'll play a little bit of it for you. Do it out of A modal tuning. And mm -hmm. We kind of came up with our own intros to it to go.
Wow. That's great. Really great. That's how I heard it. You know, I used to think that's how it was played. And, uh, and then Emory got a hold of it and did the mandolin thing out of it. Uh-huh. Bone out of it. You know. So much fun playing with a guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you're doing is, you know, you know, traditional claw hammer is kind of a very repetitive, um, you know, pattern to it. Um, but but and you're you're it really easy that way. Uh, traditional claw hammer was was in support of fiddle music and right? dance music. It was a very collective sound. It's, it's critical to it. And uh, but when you were when playing in duet form, like mm-hmm. Emory Lester for the last twenty years in the back with Tony and Wyatt back in those days, you really got to figure out how to complement what they're doing. And you can't do that if you if you do like the basic, just old time note brush thumb, note brush thumb, note brush thumb. Right. Right. And uh, so I wound up um, moving past that and, you know, doing a lot of, doing a lot of emphasis on thumb stuff, just emphasizing like that, but also doing roll patterns. The bluegrass roll patterns were, were another thing that I, 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 I when I was playing with Tony I, I, and Emery all the time, you can apply those roll patterns and all of a sudden the music just starts really filling out larger. And I'm uh-huh. not anything different from what old time people have, but I'm reapplying it in different time signatures. And another thing about playing in, in with duet, but also playing in full ensemble, like with a bluegrass band, mm-hmm. bluegrass is you know, new grass, new acoustic, all the variations, clock right. it's, it's very complicated stuff. You have to really listen to what you're, who you're playing with and understand how do you play your claw hammer banjo against different instruments against or with a with a get uh, other instruments or other vocalists mm-hmm. and the whole point is to make whoever's stepping up into that microphone sound as good as they can sound right that means just backing off and like for instance when we play backup sure backup, a mandolin player's job in, in a full ensemble like that is is to carry the beat mm-hmm. the bass player and do a backbeat so when the mandolin player steps up to take a break you're not going to be playing along getting in the way of him because they're a treble instrument Right. So you just do it like I just would just kind of mute my fingers like this and give him a backbeat. You do you do like the the bluegrass you know you know chuck you know. Yeah, it's a chop. It's, yeah. it's a male in chop. Right, right, right. And you have to really, really think about how to apply. You have to listen to what's going on. Sometimes you can play too loud, or maybe it's not working, so you back out. Sometimes you just don't play and just come right back in again. You know? mm-hmm. But it's all about listening to everybody. In contributing to the the one person who's up in that microphone making them sound as good as possible right mm-hmm. i brought that to the thinking too and you know and that was that's that's pretty much the, the what the rice is talking yeah what are some things that you do let's say you're playing in an, an ensemble what would you be doing for backup if there's a mandolin playing when you're not doing the chop but you're doing something else well, it depends. Uh, if it's uh, like if they're playing a simple, like a fiddle tune. Yeah, if you're playing a straight traditional fiddle tune. What do you do? We'll play Angelina Baker. That's fine. Sure. You know what the groove is in music? You know, when, you, mm-hmm. when a band gets going in a groove and the, the timing's just right and oh, yeah. the rhythm's just right and everybody's just looking at each other laughing and going, man, it's just so natural to play it like that. So on Angelina Baker, you got the melody. Let's say the mandolin player. Tune this up here. Say the mandolin player is on the on the on the lead. Yep. They'll come in on the first part of that, 
And on the second part, we'll have a prearranged where I come in and play a harmony. I go. Kind of doing like a counterpoint line underneath exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Doing counter melody, counterpoint. Right. And a lot of times that'll be a, a, like a creative decision that's made. Um, one of the things I learned from Tony Rice and and Emery and Tim Stafford's another one. Uh-huh. Um, just a, Sammy Sheeler and Jens Kruger, these guys is is um, when you're playing like this, you just it's the five T's the, the taste, touch, tone, timing, and tuning. And you can live your entire musical career, life, mm -hmm. pursuing those, uh, those five T's. And, um, and that's, I think, one of the things I really, really kind of, whether I was realizing it at the time or not, how I started developing my sound was, was messing with those five T's. Tim Stafford's got a great discussion on it out there. He's put some publication on it. But um, pulling tone. Mm -hmm. Tone is a huge thing. I'll show you an example of how to pull tone. That's and also letting your music breathe. That's something Tony taught me early on was letting that music breathe, where you can deal with that space in between the notes where the most beautiful music resides. Right. I think. This is a um, uh, the old tune Seneca Square Dance was done down in the key of G. Okay. Um, but Emily and I took it and we moved it up in the key of E, double E, because it. it Voiced for us. Right. Uh, when you pull tone like that and play it slow, like a.
Yeah, yeah. So when you're, I mean, you know that you know that tune very well. So in your mind, at when you're playing, are you are you focusing most of your mental energy on on tone at that time? Yeah. Um, sometimes there have been times where I've gotten on stage and I've kicked it off a little too fast, uh-huh. and everybody will just go over and give me the look and you know, <laughs> just bring it down gradually, just bring it back down again. You know, that's that's one thing that banjo players are, are we're all guilty of it sometimes. Right. Speeding up or, or right. playing too fast. You know, you don't have to play fast. You don't have to play fast at all. It, banjos are, are can be absolutely gorgeous standalone instruments that, um, in their own right, you can create some really cool music. Yeah, the, I mean, you play some some really. You really showcase that well, playing some really, you know, slow um, tunes that really have a lot of emotional energy in them. Um, you want to listen to one of your recordings? Yeah, yeah. Try uh, surprise me. Yeah. How about Eileen O'Neill? That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> and that Eileen, uh, this is an original tune that you wrote. Yeah, it's one for my mother. Um, she passed away back in 11, and uh, she's the reason why. great yeah so what were you saying you, you wrote that for your mother after she passed yeah well actually I, I wrote it before she passed and I was able to play it for her at a nursing home and it was just a real real good moment and uh, I remember running it past a, uh, some friends of mine Miss um, Christie was a friend of mine she heard it and she oh that's a good one like that you know? <laughs> but um, it, it, it just it just came out that's that's when the Rices were writing their own music. I would watch how they would do it and how they would express it, and then I just followed their lead. 
you know, years later. I've been doing it ever since. I'm just putting all the music together. It's kind of popped out. And uh, it's emotive. The banjo can stand alone. That piece right there was recorded with Emery doing that really tasteful guitar work mm-hmm. down behind it there. And, uh, you know, it's, that's what we like to do. Yeah. We don't, we, don't, we don't go out and do albums because we want to be commercial about it. <laughs> we do it because we just love doing it. And uh, that's been the most fun. So what's your, um, what's kind of, how do you go about your, your compositional process? Do you just, you just kind of take the banjo and, and find a melody that kind of shoot comes into your head and then it's work with it? As simple as that. And that one came to me probably within 10 minutes. That quick. Wow. And then one of those. Emory and we recorded it just alone on the banjo. And then Emory took it home with him to his studio. And he goes, I have a surprise for you. And then he played it for me. You know, George Hotchkiss was another great friend. He's the guy that recorded all of us over uh-huh. many years. He's an amazing uh, sound engineer friend uh, with his wife Jackie up there in, in the front royal area of Virginia, Page Valley. And we've, you know, we last, ever since 2003, we've been capturing music at that house up there. A lot of times I'd wake up early in the morning and I'd be out on the porch just quietly, like um, Hotchkiss Hill, that's what we called it. Wrote a tune called Hotchkiss Hill and, uh, and I remember George coming down in his pajamas in the morning, and Emery with his man, goes, let's go capture that one right now. Wow, yeah. Just really, really neat idea, neat experiences. So, um, let's see. So, when, is there a difference when you're, when you're playing behind um, in a duet format with Emery? Because when you're playing behind him, when he's playing guitar versus when he's playing mandolin. Because um, when you're playing, when it's just the two of you and it's just banjo and mandolin, I mean, those are two trebly instruments, but you're both getting this, and it's just the two of you, you know, and you're both filling out this space, this huge space. Is there anything you want to talk about that there? Every would kick a, we play a tune called Fisher's Hornpipe. Uh-huh. In our, in our shows that we do, we We'd stack at the end of a set, or we'd put it as a, sometimes we'd do it as an encore, which uh-huh. really features Emery tearing the bone out of <laughs> playing Fisher's Hornpipe. And I get to play along with them. And they go, you know, the melody's like. Those are the roll patterns. So the backup to him, we go. That's great. Why don't we take a listen to it real quickly? 
So we can hear it in action. Yeah, fire away. That's the, the when I hear when I hear him playing, I just it's, you couldn't slap the smile off my face. <laughs> that was, yeah, one of one thing that I, that I noticed too is that you know that that's a real popular tune to be playing, and a lot of people will play that you know just jamming. Um, but it doesn't sound like you two are just jamming. It doesn't. It sounds like you sound like a band. You know, you sound like it's a it, it, it's a que sounds like something that should be recorded not that you just turned on a tape recorder and just said let's play a fisher's horn pipe yeah, we're, uh, we're we're actually talking to each other like uh, we're going back and forth music uh-huh and we'll sit there and look at each other smiling and laughing because we know when we, we switch it up and we'll try something new in the middle of it there um they just look up and smile or i'll, I'll catch something he does he'll, he'll get up in those tiny little frets way up above mm-hmm. the last few frets on a mandolin start nailing it as clean as a, a bell you know mm-hmm. Playing a, a playing music is, is for musicians. Probably folks out there listening. It, it's just something y'all can do. And playing claw hammer banjo, y'all can do it. And anywhere you want to take it, you can do it. The, the musicians that are out there now, and the, the the ability to learn off of things that are on the, the YouTube and the net. We didn't have that when we were when I was starting out. Heck. I, mean, I used to watch the Beverly Hillbillies and try to figure out what, what Scruggs was doing on the Beverly Hillbillies, the black and whites, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had to figure that sound out ourselves. And I think that's what happened with me is I, I just had my own idea and I thought I was playing a certain type of music and I wasn't. I was just creating my own music. And all that thing. Right. But um, the, what, the tools that are available today, the, the musicianship is amazing. And, uh, I, I take my hat off to a lot of claw hammer players out there and bluegrass players. Sam Shield is one of my heroes. No and do you have any so any recommendations for for people at home that you know if, if they you know for they play with a friend or something to try to build that that um, interaction where you're we're really speaking to each other? Yeah, timing, timing, timing. Um, play slow. You can't. Scruggs has quoted once as saying, "You can't play fast unless you can play slow." Right. Mm-hmm. The thing with playing claw hammer, you want to, if I'm melody. I'm a melody guy. Right. Tony's a melody guy. Um, Sammy Sheila's is a melody guy. He's a timing guy too. His timing yeah. is just to die for. Um, but I would I would say when 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 two people sit down to play some music, um, learn the way it was done. <laughs> I would, I, one thing I would divert from the way I went about it, but 
learn the original version of the songs. And then as you get better, start learning to define your own sound. And one of the things I teach a lot, and we did a home, Happy Trobs, another buddy of mine, we did a homespun tape up there. Um, it was Clawhammer for, for bluegrass banjo players. Mm-hmm. And start teaching licks, like, um, uh, I'm in double tuning here, right? Okay. Double, double C tuning? Double D tuning. Double T. Right with the capo on it, yeah. Always checking the tuning on it, Darren. <laughs> so, um, triplets. Yeah. Triplets are fun. Is there a specific exercise or anything to do that you recommend? I, it, um, I, I teach it. it it's not yeah. something you just kind of talk about, but yeah. a lot of times I start off the fifth string. Okay. Yeah. And a lot of times, old time players don't understand that thumb on the fifth string is the first note. Right. Steve Martin years ago, back in 09, he flew me up to uh, New York City and mm-hmm. went to house for dinner and, um, and for lessons. Right? He, the guy flew me into New York City for lessons. <laughs> he showed this lick, this, this, uh, this triplet lick. And all of a sudden, the smile went like, like this. <laughs> couldn't stop. He was going nuts over it. And it was fun to watch him. I love teaching. I love yeah. the light bulb go on top of right. it. Right. When it goes off, I get, oh, I get it, you know. Right, right. So, you can really go even higher off the second finger. He did an album called Rare Bird Alert, and he actually credited me in the, in the liner notes for more bad weather on the way because he kicked the darn thing off the one he wrote there with that, that, that old. <laughs> <laughs> you he used your leg. Yeah, so how is it uh, kind of working with Steve Martin? Well, uh, when we were back doing it, I mean, you know, he, he was a great banjo player when he invited me up there. Mm-hmm. I just showed him a few things that I do. And, and uh, he, he was, he, one thing I noticed, he, and we were, I was playing Down to the River to Pray. He asked me to play that. Right. And he was watching the left hand. A lot of banjo players do that. They watch the left hand because they think it's all up there. Right. And then he goes, Mark, it's all in your right hand. Right. And it is. It's all in all you players out there. That sound you're getting comes out of your right hand. It's how you create that sound right there. And 
really understanding how to really space your notes out and how to really separate them and work with that timing where you can work with that uh, tension like mm -hmm. that's, that's tension because it's out of tune <laughs> Jens Kruger does a great discussion on tension and release and he's uh -huh. the king of it you know? so So, down to the river to pray. Play. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. One thing I, I, you know, you do often, and we haven't talked about is is your use of dynamics. And uh, you know, musicians of all kinds, you know, don't use it enough. It's one of the easier things to use. Why don't you? Uh, but banjoists are really, really have that problem. Uh, why don't you talk about the importance of dynamics a little bit? Well, that, that falls into that discussion on taste, touch, tone, timing, and tuning. Uh -huh. um, is dynamics. I think it falls into the taste and touch portion of it, where you're working with volume, mm -hmm. in and out, um, making emphasis. When you're playing for people, when you're, when you're recording, but especially when you're in front of a crowd of people, if you play, I found out that if I play too much of the same thing over and over again, I mean, you're within the, the realm of the melody of the song, and you're, you're working mm -hmm. with your, your counterpart, or whoever you're playing with, um, when it comes time to take a, a break or a lead, what I like to do is when I start incorporating dynamics and volume and, and snapping notes and snapping bass strings and things like that, the crowd will go, go their ear, will, their, the human ear just goes, what was that? You know, and they, they listen even harder. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, I think that's the whole gist behind playing with dynamic, playing dynamically is, is expression, right? speaking your language. But, speaking the language where other people understand it. It's part of that communication thing. Right. I don't know how to describe it other than that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to shout at people all the, you know, all the time. <laughs> you need to. Back when I was learning to play bluegrass, I shouted at the people all the time. <laughs> right. On the banjo, and I, you know, throwing the kids, just another thing. You don't want to, every note you got, everything you could do. Young players, when they really start crossing those thresholds and start learning mm-hmm. and, and how to play, they're throwing, you know, they go take a break, they throw the kitchen sink in there, they throw everything they know how to right. play. Right. And I think that's that's a, just a question of musical maturity right. that we all yeah. have to go through. You know? yep. It's a cool thing they'd actually do until somebody says, hey, you know what, you're overdoing it. Right. You learn, you pick up on it, you go, okay. Right. You, if you're cooking, you don't want to put every every spice that's in your spice cabinet in, in every meal. <laughs> get pretty gummy. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little... <laughs> Why don't we talk about your banjo some? Um, sure. What one are you holding right there? This is the prototype. This is the uh, the Mark Johnson Deering Clawgrass model banjo um, that uh, was created for me back at, in 2006. Mm-hmm. Greg and Barry Hahn when he was working out there and all the artisans that uh, were working at the time for Deering. Uh, Greg even did the, um, the, uh, the carved heel on it. You can see all that. Wow. And, uh, Beautiful. It's got it's got he says a Northern California walnut, um, gorgeous neck. The clawgrass banjo has a, a little wider neck, uh-huh. be able to play up, and it's a speed neck too. You can it just it's a real fast neck behind here. So when you get up on the neck, there's a little wider you can drop your your, your fingers in and thumb it out. Some of the old Gibson necks are a little too narrow for that. So, um, so you like that wider neck for your right hand, not for your left hand. For your right hand, exactly, and. Um, um, it, uh, it's got the wood, it's a walnut. This is Northern California walnut, which is a bright sounding wood. It's got the 06 tone ring in it uh-huh. in the back here. And uh, looks Tony like you have Perez, a pickup. Um, I had uh, Tony Perez, the great uh, tone guard maker out there in, in the United States. He makes the, he made this tone guard. The first one he made for me, I gave to, 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 um, to Steve Martin. Okay. And Steve bought the first full prototype one clawgrass model banjo and then Kevin Nealon bought one and was showing him some stuff too but uh, when I gave it away he made me this one with my, my initials on it and there's a little electric plug back here when I want to heat it up I can cook hamburgers at the bluegrass festival <laughs> initials right into them like that you know? and it's got all this you know gun engraving that, I don't know if you can see this thing a lot of it's getting, getting kind of warm but all the metal is gun engraved and does that make you play any better? No. <laughs> it looks good with a pair of jeans, though. That's <laughs> what, what I like. So um, I got with Greg and Janet, oh, oh God, back in 13 or 14, and uh, all my students were saying, well, I want to get that sound that you're playing there. I want to get that sound. And um, But they can't afford it, because <laughs> this is this is a pretty high-end banjo. It's one of yeah, the yeah. uh, type banjos. So Greg and Janet, Greg in particular, came up, with this, we created the Clawgrass number two banjo. Right. See the logo on it there? And it's the same banjo, but just without all the heel carving. And, uh, I mean, that's got real mother of pearl in it. This has got a, a, a different material, but it's the same inlay pattern. Uh-huh. The gorgeous Gabriella inlay pattern. It sounds. In fact, when we got these banjos, we actually, Emery and I were touring Europe. We toured five countries. Our right. good friend, Paolo Detweiler, out there in uh, Switzerland. Did this amazing tour for us and just set it up. And um, the banjo showed up about a week before we left. These things didn't even know they were banjos yet. And I took them on tour, you know, and 
they're so new. You could, it smells green, you know, <laughs> like that. And uh, but man, they just performed. I took two. I always play with two, two, uh, two banjos. This is serial number one. I've got serial number two, and uh, they just got great sound to them, and they're they're more affordable. You, know? you always travel with two banjos. You're saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you get, because all the, we play in so many different tunings. For different tunings, right. Yeah, you know, tunings bad enough on stage with me, but I was trying to get all out of one banjo. I'd be like, what a nightmare. So what are some of what are some of the tunings you use? Other, you know, you use, use standard G, you use double C, um, and use sawmill we've talked a little about. What else do you use? Oh, I can show you. There's a bunch more. Um, let's see. Uh, a fun one. Really cool one. And detuning like this, if you take your first, you get in double D to double C yep. tuning and capo it up yep. to double D. You go on to your second, your first string, and take it up just a half step. This is what it sounds like without it. Take your first string up a half step. Okay. Open Weird. D minor tuning. Right. And if you take the capo up, you're up C minor, open C minor. If you put the capo up on the fourth fret, it's open E minor too. Right, right. So like pretty poly. Beautiful. Haunting sound out of it, you know. Yeah. There's some fun stuff down the lower nova. Using octaves kind of there? Say it again? Are you using octaves there? Is that what you're doing, kind of? <laughs> you're doing pretty sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great i've got to try that i don't think i haven't really messed with that tuning much there's an even cooler one here let me, let me show you another one. <laughs> oh, my cat has taken up the space on my, my music stand 
Um, this is the old, uh, this is the first one, the first banjo that I got with the Deerings when I started with them back in 1996. Um, I was working with the Rice Brothers. They invited, Tony invited me up as a guest at mm -hmm. Girl Fest. And uh, we were on the, the, the hillside stage there and he brought me up and we were doing our stuff. And I remember I had met John Hartford before that. He came over to the stage and he pulled on my pant leg. He's up on that high stage there. And he said, I found your banjo. Come on with me. And he brings me over to the tent where Greg and Janet Deering had not met them yet. And this banjo was sitting on a stand there. I'm not sure how the, what happened. It was, it was made for somebody. They didn't pick it up. And uh, I fell in love with it. And they made me a deal I couldn't refuse and, uh, for all the publicity and stuff. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it, this one's an Ivanhoe. This is an Ivanhoe banjo. <laughs> If you play in um, standard tuning to go to your minor tunings, you just take your second string down a half step. Right. So in Jerusalem Ridge. Um, yeah. Sounds great again. There's an even cooler thing is when Emery and I are playing that thing, he's doing it on the mandolin. There's a backup of one of those counter melodies. Like, I'll, right, he'll kick it off on the melody again, and I'll go.
Yeah. When you're playing backup, do you, do you kind of play on the lower three strings a little and kind of, kind of stay away from the, yeah. the, 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 the top string a little more? Yeah, I think, yeah, because the, the top strings are real trebly and then right. kind of get into their realm, especially with mandolin. You know, mm-hmm. when you got a mandolin and a banjo up there, they're both trebly. Right. So being able to, to, to get out of his way, what I, I just, the memory, I stay down in the low echelons there and, uh, and just try and listen. I'm constantly listening to what he's doing and he listens to what I'm doing. And it's, it's become like a language after all these right. years. We just, we know how to, that synergy's there. I think that's that's definitely the key is is what you just said. Those when playing with others is listening. Wouldn't you agree? That's what Tony Rice taught me. We yeah. invite me down to his house in Crystal River for years on end on Friday nights, and uh, we would sit there and listen to all kinds of music: mm-hmm. Bill Robus, jazz stuff, Cornet um, Coleman, mm-hmm. J.D. Crow. You know, right. one day he goes, "Okay, I want you to listen to this and tell me what you hear." And uh, it was a recording of J.D. Crow just by himself playing colored aristocracy on the five-string banjo bluegrass style. Wow. And when I listened to it, I, I could hear all kind. I could hear him. I heard him breathing at one point. And, and I sensed what he was going when he was breathing, how he was touching his back up. Um, I heard him um, when he, I heard just a couple of finger squeaks on there, but I was really listening to the tone he was pulling. At mm-hmm. the very end, I heard him sit back in the chair and just creak the chair really quietly like that. And Tony goes, okay, get your banjo out. And, <laughs> and, uh, That's and great. Around, we started messing around. We recorded uh, on that old Clogress album. We recorded Colored Aristocracy together. And, uh, um, Fork and Deer. Yeah. Uh, John Henry. Uh, and then a version of the old Home Sweet Home Revisited. Uh-huh. That, uh, Crow, that Crow, uh, I'm sorry. Drugs. Um, <clears throat> It, you know, it was actually Ricky Skaggs, Crow. I think it was the the, the album band with, with Tony. Oh yeah, the Bluegrass album band. Yeah. Home Sweet Home Revisited with Crow, and uh, we turned it into an instrumental. And he took his most amazing break on it, his most emotive break. And you know, it's just that's, that was the exciting thing about it. it. Still is. I still get charged off it. That's that's a great lesson though for people to you know listen when they're. To, to practice listening when they're just at home, listening to music, to listen beyond just the, the top level, you know, what they hear, just, you know, really, really focus. Uh, Sammy Sheeler has uh, got a great discussion on it. The YouTube we did, actually, was a workshop we were doing down at uh, Mitch Lynn's festival down in Polk City. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Bill Blue. All you guys out there. <laughs> um, but he, uh, t- Sammy talks about working with a drum machine. That's another thing. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. And he would take a beat and almost separate one beat into 10 increments. And that guy got so accurate at nailing that beat and controlling where that feel was in that whole mm-hmm. song. And Mitch uh, has been getting us together at that festival, the two, the second and the third, Steve Martin winners. We do this little double banjo thing down We always do this one tune that we did off the Hurricanes of Danger down, one tune I wrote called Move Along. And Sammy did. And I just, we, have, we look at each other and laugh while we're doing the thing. So much fun. That's great. So we have some questions from some uh, customers um, that we'd, I'd like to get to, too. Um, here's a question from uh, Tony Prevo, and he's wondering, what instructional materials are available for clawgrass style? Hey, Tony. Um, Mark Johnson here. Um, 
the, probably the, the best one that we did was with a Happy Trom at Home Spun. It's got Clawgrass, Banjo. The title is Bluegrass, or Clawhammer Banjo for Bluegrass Banjo Players. I've got Emery working with me on it, and, and, and Happy's interviewing me on it. And we go into a lot of the technique and things. So I, I would recommend that right off the bat. But I would also recommend just listening. Get the music and listen to, to what we're doing and see if it appeals to you. Listen hard. Listen to how the... I play a lot of licks. I'd love to get out and do another DVD on just playing licks like you do in, in bluegrass, but you're doing clock hammer too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I would recommend that for starters. And uh, once you get that, I've got a really detailed, if you get it, I've got a really detailed um, handout I'll email to anybody who wants it that gets one of those DVDs. It really explains what's going on. Great. Does that help? Yeah, definitely. Here's a question from Gregory Smith. Is there a reason to use a first finger along with a middle finger in the right hand other than economy of movement? Are there patterns that you cannot be played middle thumb, middle thumb and require middle thumb, index thumb? Greg, you asked the best question of yet so far. I'll tell you, um, let me get a different banjo here and I'll show you. Okay. Talking about roll patterns, getting into roll patterns. Mark, I think you froze up just a little bit. In that handout that comes with that DVD, um, what I do is um, it talks about roll patterns, and it's a kind of a foundational building thing. You learn how to frail. Frailing is critical. Just brush, brush thumb, because some of your most advanced stuff up the neck, you'll be frailing. And then, um, you go to the note brush, I remember, you know, that's the standard old time stuff. And then you go, you drop thumb, the one, two, one, five. I have exercises for that, but it's the roll patterns, the, the two, three, one, five. I didn't create these. This is just reapplying an old, an old sound, right? So a forward pattern like in bluegrass. I'm finger picking on that. So in a roll pattern. talked about the right thing about economy of movement. If the melody moves towards the higher strings, the middle finger takes over on the melody. So I'm playing really three-finger claw hammer. Mm-hmm. Roll patterns are a great way to practice doing that sort of stuff. So if you're if you're an old-time player and you want to just expand out a little bit and try going towards a melody in a different way, this is a great way to give it a try. Just just and slow it down. You know, that's another thing. When you slow down, it forces you to deal with that space in between the notes. That's where you really start focusing on timing or what you got to work on or if you got it naturally. And, uh, so. Got it. I hope that answers you. Yeah. Um, we have a little, the little technical issue where you, the video is frozen, but uh, we can still hear you, Mark. Um, but, uh, but do we have any questions writing in on the live stream? <clears throat> yeah, we do, actually. We have a few. Um, yeah, Mark, I would just want to fix that video thing. But if you want to maybe stop the video and restart it on your end, um, hopefully we can get you back on there. Um, but here's a couple of questions for you. Hillary West. Oh, by the way, I should mention, there's some good friends of yours. Apparently, there's a, there's a oh, yeah. wonderful couple who thank you for being their best man 40 years ago at their wedding, oh, I believe. Who's this? <laughs> I have to pull it up in a minute. Beautiful, though. There's such a, 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 lot, of, a lot of friends 
tuning in to see you, Mark. It's it's really cool to see. Oh, that's that's exciting. I, I think I've been best man several times, but I think I know who this might be. They live down in in Florida here. Yes. <laughs> Hope so. Yes. Maybe not. Maybe they'll give us their name. Uh, I can pull it up in just a second. Uh, Ron and Connie say hi as well. I believe they're just. Uh, oh my <laughs> the local to you. Um, but in the meantime, um, yeah, Hillary West asks, uh, Mark, how have you been involving your music from the beginning to now? And how has working with Emery had an impact on, on how your music uh, has, has evolved over time? Well, Hillary has kind of been a witness to most of it. Uh, we're old friends. We go back a long ways at IBMA up there. And she's really... Um, been one of our, our closest friends and confidants, and so when I tell when I tell everybody here that, um, of course, when I when I met the Rice family, that was that was amazing, but I also met Bill Emerson. Bill Emerson took me under his wing too, and uh, the great bluegrass banjo. And there's a couple times we got together at uh, Mr. B's up in, in Massaponics, Virginia. This is years ago. I, and the most loud, ugly shirt you could imagine. Bluegrass shirt, what it was. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Emery says, Mark, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. He's our mandolin player. And he he thinks musically like you do. And you got to understand, Bill, Bill just came out of the Navy as a... I uh, uh, just came out of the Navy as a 20-year Navy chief. And he started the Country Currents Bluegrass Band. And... Um, he, uh, he goes, I want, to, I want to get you and Emery together. So we, we had this, I drove, Emery was living on a mountaintop up in, in Front Row and drove up to meet him with a buddy of mine named John West. And, uh, and it was magic. And Emery's dad was there. Uh, Jake Lester, the great banjo player, used to run around with Eddie Adcock. And uh, those guys just made me feel um, like what I was doing mattered. And we started, uh, I remember I was going through some tough times at the, at the time there, and Emery tricked me into going into the, into the studio. He was recording his Cruising the Eights album with George Hotchkiss down there in Browntown, Virginia. And we got in the studio, and he goes, let's see what that banjo sounds like. And he got all these great Neumann mics up and stuff. And by the end of the day, we'd laid down five or six tracks of our first album, Acoustic Campaign. Yeah. So I would say that Emery Lester is probably a large part of the reason why and, and a gentleman a gentleman he is as well i've met him a few times now over the years and just an absolute uh, gem of a, of a man so couldn't ask for a better partnership really um hillary also wants to know um have you been writing these days uh especially during the pandemic um and has that added any creativity i know that we've spoken to a number of um people and and artists and musicians who have kind of really taken this time to explore maybe some different avenues. Um, how does that, how, do, how is the pandemic setting for you outside of just being extremely busy at work? <laughs> work has consumed me, but you know, I find myself um, coming home and just kind of emoting a little bit on the banjo because it's been such a crazy time. Um, yeah. Got one here I'm working on for a friend of mine out in Colorado, uh, Fred Eichler um, Jr. And uh, it's, it goes like over there. I'll play a little bit for you. you okay. Hey, hey, Mark, before you start that, can, I, I canceled your video. Would you mind just seeing if you can turn that back on? I know this is live, but uh, it would be great to kind of see if we We're can wrap up. right now. Okay, cool. Off you go then. I'll leave it to you. Thanks, Brian. Am I back? Uh, not yet.
but ca- carry on. And, and when you're back, you're back. It's okay. Okay, sure. Trusty Zoom recorder. Yeah. I'll say this: uh, Emery and I were supposed to be in the studios in March this year, and of course the whole you know worldwide pandemic hit. And yeah. I didn't get up to Canada at all, and uh, but uh, yeah. we will get there. We will get there. We will absolutely will get there. Um, yeah. Okay, I have a couple more questions, and we're kind of at the uh, top of the hour, and then a, a musical request, if <laughs> if possible. But first, um, Stan Wilbur. Uh, he says, I want to transition from scrug style to picking clawgrass. Where do I start? And I'm sure he's not the only one who's thinking so, that as well. So, On the same banjo stand? <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to transition from, what was the question again, real quick? Uh, he wants to transition from scrugs uh, style picking to clawgrass. Where do I start? Okay, so, um, gosh, uh, start with me. <laughs> now, I can, if, if you're talking about learning how to do this stuff separate um or is, is, are you talking about playing three finger style and going claw hammer at the, you know in the same song i can do that stuff too yeah. but um if, if first thing you do is you play with a melody you already know like um we get another banjo here um it's a uh, like fireball mail What I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll start retuning again. I'll try and do it up in the key of A, just so I don't have to retune because I know time is precious here. No, we're good. We're good. Just Dan. It's all about an IBMA. Right now, everyone's going to look at my pretty face, unfortunately, or not so pretty face. So, uh, was I can't see you. <laughs> no, uh, we haven't got you back. So, uh, Better one. 
And Clinch Mountain, I played uh, I played in, in A modal. Ralph just would hold that string down there, but if you go up into modal, you get the value of that open string, Stanley. So try this. pushing the DVD up there, but uh, that's a great way to get started. And then we'll open up a conversation on email, and I'll send you that, 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 that book. How about that? I hope that answers the, the question. That sounds good. That sounds good. And your video looks like it's trying desperately to come back in. So we'll see if that's Sorry, uh, that. No, you're okay. It's okay. Some things we are beyond control. As the ukulele grandpa just pointed out, uh, the live talks highlight that you are not, you are a banjo company and not a music production company. You're not wrong. We are a banjo company, but we're trying. We have to do something in this crazy, crazy time that we're living in and uh, we're, we're getting better. So thank you for, for, your, for your patience. Um, Diane and Stan, by the way, was the couple. With oh, the, yes. the you. Yep, <laughs> they say hi. Friends up in the, in the New York area. Yes, that's correct. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, David, do you have anything else that you want to... Uh, bring back in before we sign off for the week. I have one last question from a customer, Gregory Smith. He was wondering what banjo did you use to record waiting for the federals on, on your 1863 album? Was it a tuba phone? No, no, that was, that was the prototype. That was the clawgrass, the first number one clawgrass model banjo. Um, and, and again, we capoed up, uh, I, I used a capo in double D tuning and I played out of double E tuning to get that 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 kind of you know, it was almost like a pedal steel great sound on that second string when you open it up like that um, so that's you know I'll show you really quick but you can also get it on the um, the number two the number two sounds good too so let me get into E really quick here just take a second get all the spikes done. That's that's the clawgrass the the clawgrass banjo. Yeah, either one will work. I just, I just happened to do it on the, the original one that Greg and Janet sent me. Well, Mark, thank you so much for uh, for for doing this. This was really fun. This was really great hearing you talk about your you know talk about you know, your how you developed your style and how other people can can you know, help to develop their own style and become better, better players. Well, um, I'm out there, clawgrass.com, and uh, got a new Wikipedia page. I don't know how that, I have a friend of mine that developed it out. Um, and we're going to, I'm starting to do a lot of teaching again. Uh, FaceTime and Zoom are great. Um, 
um, Skype buffers a little bit, but there's ways around that. And if anybody wants to do some lessons or clean up their style a little bit or get learn some licks or anything for dance players, I'd be happy to show you how to do it. Your website, Mark, I think is clawgrassbanjo.com. Is that correct? Yes, clawgrass.com. Clawgrass.com. That needs to be updated on Wikipedia. Yes, it's, a, I think. it's like Amway. It's a way of life. Yeah, I know. The internet sometimes isn't friendly to us. Do you know what I mean? It's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, so thank you to to everybody um, for tuning in. And uh, it's been a real pleasure having you, Mark. And, and I hope that we get through this crazy, crazy time that we're in and we get to see you uh, sometime soon, as soon as possible. So Appearing live. Thank you, Greg and Janet. Thank you guys for doing this. And uh, yeah, we'll all get through this together. Oh, yeah. We've been through a lot worse in this country. We can do this. Absolutely. We got this. So everybody out there, take care. Tune in next week. We'll be sending out emails and stuff for the uh, for the next episode. And uh, thank you all for joining us. And next week, we're featuring Tony Trishka. All right. See, I was going to keep that secret for now, but well done. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right, guys. I'm not good thank with secrets. So <laughs> thank you, guys. Take care. All right. See you.